Welcome everyone to the first ever episode of the Nightcap brought to you by Scarlet and Gray Sports Radio's podcast network. My name is Jack Murphy. Sitting alongside me here, my partner Sam Cerrone, and we're so excited here to finally get this first episode going here. Sam, you kind of want to give our idea of what we're what we're here to do? Yeah, so we're really, you know, first and foremost, we're very amped to get going. We're, we've had, you know, planned this idea for quite some time, so it's really great to see our ideas start to, uh, you know, take off. Um, so what are we have two segments really? So one is going to be kind of a look back in the previous week of sports. We call it around the sports world. So we're going to look at some you know past events and di- make it into digestible pieces for you guys. And then we're going to have some interviews for uh, with Ohio State ath- people in the Ohio State athletic community for the second segment. So without further ado, we're going to start off with our around the sports world segment. Um, obviously, the biggest news is college football is back. And I guess we want to probably want to talk about the Buckeyes first. What are, what are your thoughts after that game against Notre Dame? Well, what a huge win for the Buckeyes here, Sam. And I mean, you know, it's it was the game with only the only game with fanfare besides that that Georgia Oregon game. And you know, we don't have to spend too much time on this game as we have plenty of podcasts here uh, from the Scarlet Gray Sports Radio Network that will be discussing it. But kind of just my quick thoughts. I mean, you know, last year's defense doesn't win that game. You know, they held Notre Dame to ten points. They Flew around and looked so good on the D line, especially Mike Hall. The big game. I thought JT Tumalau played well himself, and you know, yeah, the offense struggled, but the defense just played so well. I mean, going back a couple of weeks ago, Jim Knowles was like, "I want you know a top five defense in the in the the nation," and they kind of showed that they were they were dogs like that. They you know last year they struggled. That was kind of their downfall in a lot of those games. You obviously look at the Utah game; it was a shootout the whole game. Utah is really doing whatever they want on offense, but you know they come to this game, you know they start off a little sluggish on offense. So it was time for the defense to step up, and like you said, people like Mike Hall, JT Tumalau, even Tommy Eichenberg, Seal Chambers, they all stepped up and had great games. And I think you know that that shows how strong this team is because if one side falters a little bit, like the offense did in this game, the other team will pick up the you know elevate the team. So the defense, it was a defensive game to shine, and um, they really did that. So I want to ask you a question. What are your thoughts on, like, I know the AP poll doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things, but drop one ranking after this game, and Georgia rises up a little bit to number two. I think it's so interesting that, like, Bama Bama has been, I know, what are they on, national championship six with just Saban, and, you know, going for seven this year. Um, they got the benefit of the doubt. They usually have, you know, multiple first-round picks that we know about heading into, you know, the last couple weeks of the season, but... Every year they play the Citadel in week right. seven or whatever, you know? Like, it just – they beat Utah State 55 to nothing. When don't they play one of these teams in week one or two and not beat them by 50 points? I, I understand, but, you know, Georgia, it looks like they loaded up well and the whole offense is back besides Jermaine Burton transferring to um, Alabama. And they looked a lot better than most of the games that they were playing down the uh, the stretch – or the home stretch of last season – I feel like it should be Georgia 1, Ohio State 2, Bama 3. I'm shocked you get penalized for beating a top-five team like Notre Dame. And I know they have a young coach, and he definitely looked like a young coach in that first game, but I mean, they, they got a lot of talent. They're going to be there. I mean, it's insane. If you look at that Georgia-Oregon you know, box score play-by-play, if you want, or if you just watch the game, plain and simple, Georgia won seven straight do- drives with scoring a touchdown. They never you know, were on the field without scoring a touchdown. That, you know, you, a lot of people thought – they lost so many, so much production in the draft. They're obviously they're going to be a top ten team, but there's no chance they're going to be at the same level as they were last year. 
And they looked like they were at the same level as they were last year, maybe even better. Stetson Bennett looked more efficient. He looked more, you know, like a veteran leader. Like he, you know, people always questioned him last year, like how could they win a national championship with Bennett at the quarterback position? But right now, you know, he looked like a great, great college quarterback on Saturday. I feel like what people forgot about Georgia is that Georgia's O-line is always really good. Yeah. You know, like, like as a Patriots fan, you know, we drafted Isaiah Wynn, like the first-round pick coming out of school. Andrew Thomas, Giants fans would agree with me, but he's still first-round pick coming out of school. There's so many guys like that. Uh, Isaiah Wilson, that guy who flamed out with the Titans. These guys were all first-round picks, though, and, you know, Georgia's O-line, don't, they didn't lose anyone. They always have a good O-line. You bring back Stenson and then that tight end, Bowers. Yeah, he was, that was a freak. You know, they just had to reload some of those defensive positions, which we know they will, and then reload the running backs, which they always seem to do. So I don't know. I like I was doubting Georgia to be a top four team heading in the season. I was like, ah, maybe it's toss up. But now they they look like they should they should be a favorite to be in the top four. Yeah, I mean, I think it's you know the core three with the favorites: Bama, Ohio State, and I'm put Georgia up there. Um, Clemson, we can talk about this another time, but Clemson did not really look great. I know they they ended up um, you know blowing them out at the end of the game, but Georgia Tech was with them you know majority of the game, probably till like the third halfway through the third quarter. But don't, there's no way that Michigan should have jumped them. They're still yeah four. Yeah, no, they still are four. But um, didn't Michigan? Michigan's number four now in the AP poll. That's what I saw. That's the thing is you know AP doesn't really matter too much comparatively to you know, the college football ranking that comes out was that around like halfway through the season. So I'm not going to put too much thought into this AP ranking. Um, still a lot of college games to be played, so you know it, there's going to be some. You know, the AP is going to be high on some teams and lower on some teams as they you know get tougher matches uh, throughout the year. But kind of you know I feel like the flagship game of this week was that um, Florida State LSU game. You know, some madness that ensued at the end of the game. I mean, I guess the biggest question kind of is is Florida State back to a you know, a pretty solid program. They have had some years down the, you know, in the gutter, but are they are they back to being, a, you know, a little bit of a powerhouse? I don't know. It's so tough because that was definitely like a, a gritty game, like a lot of mistakes on both sides. Right. But I feel like people are making too much out of the Brian Kelly. Like, yeah, he looked really pouty out there with his hands I mean, crossed. He, he always is like that. He's but always I, been, you know, that angry, yeah, screaming coach. I, I feel like coach. I saw that. I feel like I saw him being pouty, you know, the year they went to the national championship with Manti Teo and like, the COVID year, you know, they were really good. They made the playoff. Like, he's not a very amped up guy. So, I yeah. mean, I don't know. I, it's, it was a great week one game to open. I, you know, Florida State is 2-0 and now. 2-0, They played yeah. in week zero. So, I don't know. I mean, this is their best start in a, in a couple of years now here, beating a real Power 5 team, too, yeah. in LSU. You know, they may not be Bama, but they got talent. I mean, they, they, yeah, they have talent. I think there'll be a little – they'll be successful. I think they're going to be ranked – I don't think obviously they're not going to be a top ten team by the end, you know, the end of the year. But I think this is a good start to put them back on the track from you know the those Jimbo Fisher days back with you know Jameis Winston. The other thing I wanted to say though about that game is at least they got lucky, and because you know the way that ended with the whole out of like oh he was in bounds, um, they're going to give him one more second. I, I was just looking at like, you know, even when you hustle up to the ball, you know, the ball stops in college, the yeah. clock stops in college, right, college yeah. and you get a first down. Even when you're hustling. 30, 40 yards up, it's tough to snap the ball without one or two seconds going off. And they had one second left LSU, and then they get to score that touchdown, then the block kick, so Florida State wins. But LSU shouldn't have even got that playoff, in my opinion. I mean, I may be wrong, but I just thought that, you know, yes, whether he makes it 
he goes out of bounds. It, going out of bounds was the only way for him to, or for LSU to get that extra possession. I just don't understand how you can go to a 10-minute replay and uh, be like, yeah, he was in bounds and not do a 10-second runoff. I mean, I guess that's just, you know, the discretion of the refs in that moment. I mean, some people are going to say there should have been a runoff. Some people aren't. But, like, evidently it didn't matter what happened at the end of the game because Florida State was still able to get that, that the victory. But I think the most important storyline from this game is also, side note, Jaden Daniels, the transfer from Arizona State, played really well. And I think he might have a great, sneaky great season with LSU. But um, what is the Kayshawn bot? out you know the wide receiver he's wearing the fame number seven for LSU I mean he kind of pulls a social media version of Antonio Brown and just clean cleanse himself clear of all things related to LSU on his uh, social media and he unfollows the social media account of LSU football so I mean there was some rumors of him transferring to Bama in the offseason so what are your what are your, what are your thoughts on that when you look into this situation it's so it's so weird like he didn't have they, they looked for him you know he had what was it four or five drops yeah four drops i think two catches that he didn't catch till the fourth quarter i mean i was reading some comments some articles before this it was like it seems like he didn't have a great relationship with Brian Kelly right off the bat when Brian Kelly got there like Brian Kelly was saying that, oh, you, you injured your foot because he had you know, a pretty massive foot injury last year. He's like, injured or not, you should be at the practice with the team. Like, you're you're starting off on the wrong foot. So they were butting heads in initially. So, I mean, sometimes there's those types of players that you got to give tough love and there's types of players that you got to coddle a little bit. And it seems like Brian Kelly's only giving the, the tough love treatment to everybody. It's just interesting. I mean, this guy, this guy did – I mean, you know, receivers are – you know, they're all over the place, yeah. you know. I mean – there's so many good receivers now, but still, like, we just saw the NFL. They paid multiple guys $30 million a year. Most of these guys who are um, due for contracts, A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel, D.K., they're $20 million players. Uh, this guy got to school in 2020. He watched Jamar Chase sit out. You know, right. like, it just – I think it's interesting. Like, he's probably, like – he's been hyped as the next Jamar Chase. Yeah, I mean, he's got that number seven. Like, what, you know, Tyron Matthews has the number seven. Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette. Like all those the list guys. goes on, and he—it's just a kind of a bad look for LSU giving it to someone who they thought would be such a, you know, a, a monster on the field, and then now there's rumors of him leaving, and they still were willingly giving him the the, the number seven, even though he was rumored to leave in the off season. So yeah, he only played six games too. Yeah. He hurt his foot, and I, I, I mean, who knows what's going through this guy's head too? Because I saw stuff um, of people trying to claim that he was better than JSN yeah. heading into this, that he was the number one receiver on uh, NFL draft boards. It's just interesting situation here for the Tigers. I mean, yeah, Brian Kelly was faking that Southern accent, trying to win him over over the team, the, the fans, but not a good start in LSU. They're already, I feel like some people probably already calling for his job if you lose to the Florida State. But Would they give him 10 years? Yeah, so. Went to my high school. <laughs> there you go. I had to support him, and now I'm like, ah, Brian. Yeah, LSU fans, you got to buckle up for a couple more, a uh, couple more years. But looking ahead to week two, um, we have you know OSU versus Arkansas State. I mean, I think the biggest question for that game is will JSN play? I mean, I'm thinking they should just sit him out because it is kind of a. I mean, I was at that, um, getting to call the game on Saturday against uh, Arkansas State for Scarlet and Gray Sports Radio. Got to go to Ryan Day's press conference. I mean, you know, college sports they don't talk much about injuries like in the yeah. NFL, so he wasn't given any idea. Uh, wasn't giving any details on what it is and everything, but he said that he knows he's it's not that bad. He's not going to let him back until he's 
even if that's whether that's Arkansas State or who's next week Toledo. Toledo, yeah, Arkansas State, Toledo, and then I want to say Wisconsin is the the following. And so I, I think he gave the vibes without saying it that he'll definitely be back for Toledo. But the thing is, is that you know they're clearly not worried about Toledo or Arkansas State. They don't want to say it, but they're not worried. They're what they're worried about is Wisconsin. So they want him. Yeah. Versus he was like. Someone asked about Fleming because you know Fleming got hurt yeah. in warmups. He's like, oh, he's going to be back Saturday. I expect him to be. So I think that's going to play a role with how Emeka. I Emeka Mbuka, I think he played really well. Reminds me of uh, Alave a lot. But I, yeah, I would say if I was Ryan Day, which you know you I would have double E Marv. You have X and Fleming coming back. You have too many. Not. You have too many great players. You don't have to worry about this. If you're a you know a different team. You don't have the depth like Ohio State has. I would try to maybe rush him back, but with JSN, I would you know slowly you know work him into the system, not rush him. Have a bigger game with Wisconsin coming up, and that's more important. I mean that happened last year with CJ Stroud. You know he sat out a game because he had that shoulder injury, and he played. You know he started balling out after that game. So I think there's a lot of importance of you know not rushing him back. And then move, looking at other games, we have Alabama versus Texas. I feel like that's the biggest game of the week. Um, Quinn Ewers finally kind of making the, his shows debut. You the, di- or the step back it takes week one's biggest game, yeah, like two right. five versus like Texas looked good. Um, I forget who they played, but didn't they drop fifty plus points? Ewers had two or three touchdowns. Oh, yeah, Ewa, Louisiana Monroe, one of those teams. I mean, fifty two ten final score. Like, yeah, you know, look good. Good start for Texas. Like, they had such a un- like they unraveled so bad in the second half of last year. But I mean, what's the Bama spread got to be thirty four. It's got. It's, I, mean. I would assume it's massive, but I guess probably the biggest storyline is Quinn Ewers' like first ever just real test. I mean, at Ohio State, he did nothing. He only handed the ball off when he was in the game. He never threw a pass. He plays great against Monroe, Louisiana Monroe, but that's not really a, you know a, a foreshadowing or anything that they're just an FCS school. I might be wrong with that, but I think this is the biggest test. If he, they're probably gonna get blown out, but if he can hold his own. I think that can be, a, you know, an important um, foresight of how he's going to play throughout the season. Yeah, and, you know, they, they they got Robinson back, ready to go. You know, they have some talent. We'll see how it goes. It's just that Bama defense, man, is uh, is legit. I mean, that they're, they they don't lose players. They just reload. Um, and the fa- and the I think what people's uh, people are sleeping on is just that, you know, they didn't lose anybody on defense last year. They lost guys on offense besides Bryce Young. Um, got. You got Will Anderson back. Yeah, he's, right. he's the best player in college football. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Jordan Battle, Kool Aid McKinstry, Dallas Turner, all coming back. And then that oh, the other linebacker Henry. He's from Hawaii. I never say his name right. It's like two. It looks like two comma two, but it's like. But I mean, they they always great. just no, have all those guys have first round potential. People all over that that field, and with offense they lo- they lose production, but they just fill in the spots with you know more first round picks and more um, great players. Moving on to our next thing we want to talk about for the around the sports world, we have the NFL coming up this Sunday. The first game being on Thursday with the the Rams Super Bowl champions versus the Buffalo Bills. Probably the Super Bowl favorites. I would I would assume that the Bills are up there. I think um, they're the betting favorite on most books right now. Betting favorites, and then probably um, Josh Allen is probably the favorite to win MVP this year as well. So what are your what are your you know your reactions going into this game? You know, if you want to give us a, a quick pick 'em of who you think is going to win. Um, I'll give it away the floor to you. Well, I think I think the Bills would be my pick. I'm really intrigued to see the Bills this year. This is definitely the Bills year because they were statistically better 
um, especially on defense, um, for the 2021 team than they were the 2020 team that went to the championship and lost to the Chiefs versus the 2021 team that lost in the divisional to the Chiefs. Um, their defense was better statistically. Their offense was basically the same. And they had a couple, uh, I think they were 11 or 12 wins compared to you know 13, whatever, in 2020. But last year they lost six games by one score. And that always flips back and forth. They're gonna, they're gonna get back to a winning record because that's just kind of usually how it how it works when it comes to those one score things. And I, I think if Buffalo keeps their head here, they're an easy uh, choice to be the first seed in the AFC. I think the AFC is so deep that anyone can come out of the tournament once it starts. But I just feel like Buffalo is such a lock to be the uh, div- uh, number one seed, or at least just such a heavy favorite because. Their division is is so much easier compared to the North and the West, and the South might be easier, but there's no dominant team in the yeah. South, you know. Versus, it's the Bills and everybody else in the AFC East, and the Bills should be six and zero in that conference, and then they should have the luck of turning uh, turning around some of these one score games. I really like the Rams to go far again because I think we know what we're getting with the Rams, but I just. This is the Bills' year, man. Like this is finally got to come together for them. I mean, we're hoping. I'm friends with you know one of my best friends is a Bills fan, and he's you know I've seen him be very down after they lose. So I'm you know we're we're hoping. I'm gonna pick the Bills in this game on Thursday night. Um, I mean, like you said, they're so they're so loaded all over the field. Their defense is great. Their offense is great with Diggs. Um, Gabe Davis had an unbelievable divisional round, even though they lost that game. And then they draft um Dalvin Cook's brother and James Cook who. You're hoping that can really, you know, solidify that backfield because they've had some struggles with, you know, Zach Moss and David Singletary. So I'm hoping, you know, he can add some, you know, different variety in the passing game. I feel like the Bills now also, not to harp in, but the Bills, like, coming on, all they heard this whole offseason was, like, how, how'd you lose a playoff game when your quarterback played a perfect game? And, you know, it's pretty, pretty tough question to answer, but that, that's what, that's the question they've been faced with answering this whole offseason. And I think they have the talent to finally figure that or turn that around. And especially now that the guy who's their kryptonite, Mahomes and the Chiefs, just don't look. Yeah, this looks as, like it's going to be a step as, down yeah. here for them. Because obviously they lose Tyreek Hill to the Dolphins in that trade. So I'm going to ask you give me some two teams that you think are going to start off very hot and two teams you're gonna, you think are going to start off very slow going into this NFL season. Well, I think, I think the teams that I'm really intrigued to see how they build up, I, I'm. I can't. I don't think that um, Cincinnati is good. like. I'm. I'm intrigued. I think Cincinnati has the talent to, um, you know, go back to the Super Bowl and win it this year. My only thing about them though is that, like, I, I was telling friends here at Ohio State who are Cincinnati fans, like, oh, you know, the the year to get it done is this year. You know, like last year should have been kind of building a playoff push, maybe not yeah. get in. Not only did they win the division, but they went the whole, all the way. The Super Bowl. Now they got to put that behind them, despite being such a young team. And usually that doesn't work for young teams. But I also think Joe Burrow is just there's something about that guy, man. And I think that division's just going to be a battle. Yeah, it's going to be a tough division. It, like Pittsburgh's good, but you know they're starting Mitch Trubisky. Like man, their defense is is so good. Cleveland's got bodies, but obviously they're starting Brissett. And then the Ravens just have. You know, the Ravens, another one, they they lost so many close games last year as well. And I mean, they also I lost. I mean, Lamar like, was beat up the whole year. Lost, so. like, what was it, five games in a row yeah. to end the season? 
So that's another team that I think the Ravens are going to come out the game fast as one of those two teams. And then I think the Bengals are going to be slow. But I, those are my two teams in that division that I think are going to battle yeah. each other for it. The Bengals were also one of my teams that I said were going to come out slow. I think, you know, they're just going to come out that Super Bowl hangover. There's been a lot of quarterbacks that I – mean, I'm, I'm very high on Joe Burrow. There's been a lot of quarterbacks that, you know, once they make the big dance early, early in their career, they struggle to make it back there. You know, I mean, Matt Ryan – he has, didn't make it earlier in his career, but, you know, he's never been back since. Um, another team that I have coming fast at the gate are the Philadelphia Eagles. I think, you know, really high in this season. I think Jalen Hurts is going to step up into a big role. I mean, I like their roster. They added Jalen, um, Jalen or A.J. Brown. I'm sorry, not Jalen Brown, different player. Uh, A.J. Brown, and their, their front seven on defense is probably one of the best in the league. It's insane. They just got, I feel you like know, Jordan Davis is like a sneaky lock to be. The best rookie on defense. I mean, he's insane. That, there's no way that a human that size should be able to move at that speed. It's just insane. And they're, they're, they just got players all over the field on, on that front seven. What was he, 13th? I, I, I thought he was so key. You know, now there's all this stuff. If you read the draft, they're trying to tell you that Jalen Carter or, or Jordan Carter, he, number 88 on Georgia's defense, he's going to be a top 10 pick in this year's draft. And, yeah, he's he's – so disruptive, but I just thought people were reaching. You know, Nicobe Dean fell for no right, reason. He fell, he fell. Uh, Trayvon Walker somehow became the number one pick when he was barely a first round. I just people, I think people overlooked what was the key of that defense. Yeah. And yeah, they had athletes everywhere, but Jordan Davis ate two people at once. He's and insane. Still he's, get in the backfield. Like he's gonna be a stud. He's just was someone that was built in a laboratory. There's no. He's just. It's a, it's insane. He's a he's a superhero. Um, another team I have coming off slow. I got the Green Bay Packers. You saw reports all offseason saying Aaron Rodgers saying you're not going to you know see the field if you can't catch the football. So that that team's they lost Devontae Adams. It's going to be you know a really hard shoes to fill with you know Alan Lazard. Um, they draft rook, a rookie and uh, from um, from North Dakota State. Christian Watson. Christian Watson. I, I was playing on his name, but it's going to be a struggle for them because they don't you know it's some you know young kids at that at that really important position. My thing. Uh why does everyone kind of assume, like, yes, they, they drafted good players, um, good good defensive players, and they have good defensive players uh, already on their team. You know, they drafted Quay Walker. Still have Jair Alexander going to get a full yeah. season out of him. They have all these good players on defense. Um, but I don't think, like, I feel like people are assuming it's going to be a top three or five defense just like that. And I just, I don't I don't see it. Especially if they, str- I know they have Aaron Rodgers, but the O-line, is okay. You know, David Bakhtiari's played one game in the last two years, and they're like, yeah, he might start week one, but I wouldn't be shocked if he didn't come back in, in, for another month. Like, he clearly has chronic knee injury, uh, issues right now. The only skill players I like on them are their two running backs. Like, I, I don't know, I feel like they're going to start slow. My my other hot team, I think, is Minnesota. I think Minnesota beats them week one. This is this is the year for Minnesota to get that division. I don't, I don't see them as a Super Bowl contender, but they just have too much talent. Despite Kirk, and I mean, I'm not a big Kirk guy, but at the end of the day, he's... I mean, he's av- he, he gets the job done. That's all you need out of a quarterback with, you know, a roster like that. But, you know, going back to the Packers, I just think that roster is just so overtaken by Andrew or Aaron Rodgers-isms that they just can't get away from it. That the 49ers, I wish that the 49ers were going to win that game because they play for each other and the Packers play for Aaron Rodgers, so they're not going to win. Uh, another team, I think... Kind of come out hot at the gate. Kind of, you know, an obvious one. I think the uh, Los Angeles Chargers, and they're going to – they struggle to make the playoffs, you know, under Justin Herbert and their new head coach. I think they're going to – you know, this year they get Khalil Mack in the offseason. I think this is 
the year they make a run because the Chiefs take a step back, and I think this is the year they win. That, they can really win that division. I remember reading something pretty fascinating about them. I like that pick because uh, a coach. Brandon Staley, yeah, he got a lot of criticism. I mean, also analytics. He's a big like, analytic guy. He is bad analytic guy. I think the real thing, like, yeah, he made some interesting choices. I think the real thing is just like, dude, this guy thought that the Raiders were playing for a tie in a football yeah. game. Like the divi- like the division is what some of these teams, you know, draft around. It's like, oh, we got to play the other two teams, other three teams twice. Like we got to build to beat them to get in the playoffs. Yeah. Like. You know, divisions are give the rivalries of football. But I remember reading about he was so excited because he's like, yeah, I coached a uh, yeah, I had Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey on my team. You know, I coached a number one defense in twenty what was it nineteen twenty nineteen or twenty twenty whatever it was. But he's like, I coached the number one defense in the NFL. But yeah, I had Aaron Donald. Yeah, I had Jalen Ramsey. I had all these these star players. He's like, now I have them here. I have Khalil Mack. I have Joey Bosa. I have Derwin James. I've I've added J C Jackson. Like. We feel good. We finally have the players I think we can run like the Rams did. And so I was just fascinated by that because he just felt that he finally has the players in the system that he can run. Yeah, I think it'll be be an exciting team this year. Um, Moving on to the NBA, we want to do a quick debrief of the Donovan Mitchell trade, kind of the biggest news in the basketball world recently. Um, So obviously Mitchell goes to the Cavaliers for Laurie Markkinen, Abachi, Colin Sexton, three unprotected first-round picks and two pick swaps. Um, What does this mean for the Cavs? What does it from the for the Jazz? And what does it mean for my Knicks, who were the odds on favorites for the whole offseason, and they just botch it and don't get them? So what do you what do you think? I'll I'll dive in after you. This has just been such an interesting thing with how the Jazz have decided to um go about this rebuild. And it's the fact that they got gifted all those picks for Rudy Gobert as a Celtics fan, Danny Ainge, you know, ran our rebuild before he, he traded Pierce and all those guys, just trying to get as many picks as possible. So I, I see the similarities. Um, it was just crazy because I can't believe he got all those picks for Gobert. And then I, uh, I was seeing all these stuff. I thought I saw from Shams on The Athletic that they offered four unprotected first-round picks, the Knicks, to the Jazz before the Cavs came back in. Then it kind of died down. And then now if you go Google, it was like, oh, they were offering two or three unprotected first-round picks with Barrett and Quickly. And so it's just not consistent. And, you know, if if the Knicks are offering four or five unprotected first-round picks, like some people are reporting, yeah. if I'm the Jazz, I'm taking that every day. Because I just don't see the Knicks' depth. I think the Knicks had a were one of those teams in 2021 that really benefited from playing in those empty gyms. Julius Randle in that year did things just completely out of the ordinary compared to what he's been the rest of his career. Um yeah, R.G. Barrett is a good defensive player. I think he's an overrated offensive player, and he's the second-best scorer on that team. I, I just think that in a year where they weren't able to practice defense, all these teams, you know, there's all this stuff about the offense being up in 2021 um, because with COVID, you know, you couldn't practice. You know, you couldn't, you had barely half the practices um, that they do in a normal non-COVID NBA season, and their coach is Tom Thibodeau, who's going right. to play his starters 30 to, 35 to 40 minutes a game and push defense. They were one of only five teams in the league, 10 teams playing good defense. So, of course, they made the playoffs. And they're not only are they searching for a Donovan Mitchell-type player, but when they trade for Donovan Mitchell, what, what are they going to do once they acquire him? You know, How are they going to get the other star? It's not Randall. It's not Barrett. And so, I don't know. I think, that, I think the Jazz should have taken anything from the Knicks because I just think Donovan Mitchell would just be running his own team. Meanwhile, the Cavs, I think they've – 
yeah, you want wings, but now they have basically four all-star players in Garland, Mitchell, Mobley, and Jared, Jared Allen. Allen. I mean, I think, I think, you know, the Cavs obviously they get a great player in Mitchell, but I think they, the Cavs might have, you know, overcompensated a little bit for this trade. I feel like they gave up so much depth on their team. And, you know, really, they're really kind of looking for win now mode with giving up those three unprotected first round picks. So, you know, obviously the Jazz are rebuilding, but they, they're in a good spot because, you know, Markkinen's, you know, he's a solid player. Abaji, he's going to be a rookie. We don't know what he's going to turn into. He was a, a beast at Kansas during the, the March Madness and the whole season. And then Sexton's a great player as well. But going to the Knicks, you know, very disappointing. I mean, almost every offseason we're tied to some sort of all-star coming to New York. I mean, going back to LeBron James, you know, saying, I think there was an article saying he wanted to go to New York. Oh, yeah, but the first decision, he the, yes. Knicks, the Knicks lost him. He wanted to go to the Knicks, and, you know, the, the pitch was so bad. They brought in James Gandolfini to pretend he was Tony Soprano. Like, I mean, what what who, how would that benefit LeBron James playing in New York? I'm sorry, my voice is a little scratched up from the previous game day. But, you know, they, they just always, they bought these, these trades every every offseason. So, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to see R.J. Barrett, you know, return. I would would have liked them to trade, you know, um, Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson, um, probably quickly in some first-round picks if they were to try to get um, Mitchell, but it doesn't work out. But it's, you know, another depressing year in New York. Sorry, bud. It's rough. You know, we made the playoffs, like you said, a couple of years ago during COVID. I mean, that's just classic Thibodeau-style teams. They're good, and then they get run to the ground, and they're – they're no more. So we'll see what happens with Brunson if he can turn into something. Maybe Irish. they're sneaky on the uh, Isaac. I never say his name right. Wembaya Nana. But that, you know, the, the, the unicorn. The next up. New unic- kid coming yeah. in who's literally like a created my player. I mean that's why that's why the Spurs traded Dejounte Murray. That's why the Jazz are doing this rebuild now. Like the Thunder. The Thunder don't care that they you know they took on some bodies. You know the Thunder should be looking to compete right. one more year. I, they they have more on their timeline is on the Chet. Um, what's it? Uh, Josh Giddy, who they drafted yeah. last year, timeline. Then SGA Gilders Alexander is getting up there. He's twenty five. Right. So I mean, they they could trade him and a couple picks to get. I like that's their everyone's wants this Isaac guy, and so I see why the the Jazz are I I just think are in a good spot because uh you can play Abaji, Markkinen, and then Sexton. You know they didn't give Sexton that hard of a contract to trade. Um. And they uh. They can just let those guys play on a bad team, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, like, yes, this team's going to win, what, 10 to 20 games, but they need to, um, you know, they, they need people to play the games, you know, like, so they can have these guys put up kind of stats and, and trick people into trading them. They can get more picks yeah. for these guys and then just be sitting there ready to win the 2032 NBA Finals. We'll see. I mean, Utah, they've always been kind of that team that's been on the borderline of, Know, greatness with you know Rudy Gobert and Mitchell, so they kind of just blew up that core. And if they trade for this this unicorn, this this you know this freak athlete, like you're saying, they can be in a great spot. But we have to wait. Um, please, the Knicks, I'm pleading you to do something. Yep. Well, hopefully they will figure it out. But we're gonna get ready for the interview. We're gonna take a quick break. Welcome back, everyone here. So excited for our first ever interview here with Mac Pedraza and Kylie Murr of Ohio State Women's Volleyball. How's it going, guys? Good, how are you? Doing good, doing good. Thanks for uh, thanks for hopping on the, the podcast. Um, 
you know, first we just want to, you know, start off saying congrats. You're coming off a pretty big win against uh, Louisville. How do you guys feel after taking home that win? Um, I think it was uh, definitely much needed. We're uh, coming off a, a rough start to the season. Uh, being one in three is no place we want to be, but we have some tough competition in the in the schedule. So it's no surprise necessarily, but we're ready to start rolling in the wins. So that was a good first win and now we're ready to roll. Yeah, like she said, it was a much needed win. It was really good just to see our team play to our potential and kind of show everybody what we're made of and what we have coming for them this season. So, you know, you, you think you guys can uh, carry that momentum in this weekend? I know you got two top 10 games against Georgia Tech and uh, BYU. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, like I said, like we saw what we were made of and they saw what our potential is. And now it's just like, can we maintain that? And like, I think our hardest struggle is controlling our side of the court and not worrying about the other side. So I think as long as we can take care of our side and us seven and the rest of the gals on our team, like we'll totally be able to handle the competition. This, um, we'll this be ruined for you. Thank you. Um, I wanted to ask you guys about, because uh, our buddy Tyler Danberg from Skyline Gray Sports Radio told us you guys were at the Big Ten media days before the season, and that just seemed like a crazy experience. You guys just want to like, tell us about that for a sec? Yeah, it was crazy. It was really cool. They did a really good job. I mean, I think it's about time that women's sports, especially women's volleyball, start getting the recognition that we deserve. I think um, like women's volleyball is one of the most growing sports in the nation. There's so many little girls that play. So for them to be able to see that we are starting to get treated like one of the more important sports, like we deserve to be treated, I think is a really big deal. Um, they pulled out all the stops. I mean, we, we were in interviews for what, like five hours. I think it was crazy back to back to back. We talked to so many people. It was really fun. It was, I mean, we love to talk about volleyball so we could talk for forever. Um, but it was a really cool experience. And I mean, they treated it like the football media day. Like people were like, wow, like you got the same gift as the football guys. Wow. What's this? So um, I was really impressed. And I think Kevin Warren made it a priority to make sure that we felt important and like valued. Yeah, absolutely. I was literally honored to be there and be part of the first ever. And like Max said, I think volleyball is women's volleyball, especially is just such a growing sport and, I think it's really important for those little girls to be able to see that we get to do these cool things too, so that people keep continuing to play the sport because you turn on the TV and you see basketball and football and that's literally it. So I think it's really important that they keep covering women's volleyball and keep treating us like I think we should, because I think it's only going to help the future of the sport. Exactly. Definitely. Um, <clears throat> so obviously you guys are seniors now, um, kind of like going back to your freshman year, what was like that recruiting process when you, you know, or at least you started like, you know, emailing you or recruiter at your games. Like kind of talk us through that. I'm sure that was a, a hectic time during your, your high school career. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the rules have changed a lot now, which I'm really, really thankful for because I was dealing with this in eighth grade. I couldn't even tell you my middle name in the eighth grade. So it was like <laughs> really hard to figure out where the heck I wanted to go to school and like where I wanted to spend the rest of where I want to spend my college career and where I'm really going to grow as a person. So it was a really interesting and unique time. I think it was really cool to like, be in contact with a bunch of other colleges and just see what they had to offer. But I'm really glad the um, rules changed for the younger girls coming up because I think it's really important that you do know what you want and like those things. And now that they're almost mature enough, they're 17, 18 year old rather than 15 years old doing that process. But it was really cool. And it's a lot of pressure because like no matter what anybody says, it's your, it's your choice. And so I think 
in regards to where I chose, I just felt really at home here. It's kind of close to home and, you know, being a Buckeye is like no other. So I'm really thankful I chose Ohio State. Yeah, retweet. I think the recruiting process for me was a little bit weird because I, and like I, same thing as Kylie, it was in eighth grade and I knew I liked my phone and my dog and that was about it. Um, so then when it came time to pick my school, I ended up having to like redo my whole recruiting process and I was committed somewhere else. And then, cause things changed, whatever. But like Kylie said, couldn't be happier to be a Buckeye. I mean, I'm from Ohio. So being from Ohio and playing for Ohio state is like no other. And it's something that I wish everybody could understand, but it is the coolest thing in the world to go back to my small town and everybody's like, Oh my gosh, the Buckeyes, how are you? How's whatever, how's the team? So it's a really cool feeling and it gives me chills to think about it every time. That's awesome. Well, that's awesome. And well, says kind of take us in from there. Like now, you know, obviously you've been at Ohio state for a couple of years now, you guys can are seniors, but um, like what's a typical day in the life of being an Ohio state women's volleyball player. Ooh, day in the life these days. We're in season right now, so we're super busy. I mean, me and Kylie almost have like the exact same schedule right now. We're um, in grad school, so we have classes in the mornings pretty much all morning is our, that's like school time. It's very like segmented. So we go to school, we go to class all morning and then come home, grab some lunch really quick and turn around and head straight to the gym. Then we're in the gym for the rest of the night. Then we come home and that's our time to like decompress basically, um, try and find something to do outside of volleyball, but it usually ends up being volleyball, watching a match that's on tonight. I know there's Creighton and Nebraska play and we're already like figuring out how we're going to watch that match. Um, so we're volleyball nerds. So we're kind of always, always trying to find a way to get our volleyball fix in. Well, I guess, but on, I mean, that's awesome. I guess unscripted question here. How, how exactly do you watch your how do you get in your your film watching these other teams you know is it like on like an espn plus or something you know you can just you just fire it or do you have to like find a deep stream somewhere to to watch it to yeah watch in the your... volleyball world there's this thing called volley metrics and it has about every game on in the world like it has all the college games so we can go into our accounts and it's coded so you can type in for example like when we played texas you can type in number 33 logan eggleston attack in system, whatever you want to know. So it's yeah. very easy for us, but you still got to put in the time to do it. But yeah. other than that, I mean, you can go on ESPN or if things are, and you can watch on your own time, but there is a coded system that all volleyball players have access to, to scout. They kind of like made it like a, like in the old days, you used to have to like go film someone's match. Like you had to go take your camera and go watch their match and scout their match. And then you had to like code it and go through it and skip through it and cut it up. And now all the volleyball world has just said here, everybody have it, just make it easier. Post your matches to volumetrics. Everybody can have access to it. And then it's like even playing field basically. Okay. Okay. Fascinating. So you got, you kind of talked us through your, your day in the life. So it's game day. You're getting ready for the game. Do you guys have any superstitions? Like, do you like wear the same pair of socks every game? Or like, is there something, you know, kind of out there that you do every game day just to make sure you get in you know, the right headspace? Do you have anything, Kai? Uh, not necessarily. I would say if anything, like we're a big Starbucks person, like game day, I'm going to need some coffee for sure. Or like a drink to hype me up. But other than that, like during the game, I kind of have some superstitions of what I do after every set or something like that. But I try not to be superstitious just because it, it messes with your head and I don't ever want to get on that 
I used to be really bad, but I've really tried to let go of the superstitions just because they are yeah. very mental and they yeah, do mess with you. Superstitious. <laughs> yeah. I have one kind of, I wear my game day braid. I always have a braid in my hair every game day. So that's my like only thing, but that's, I don't, I don't think I would play without it, but I don't think it, it's not like my like saving grace. It's not scoring me any extra points. So it's like a borderline superstition. Yeah. I, I mean, I definitely would say it's superstition. I'm not playing without it. Like I will have a braid in my hair every okay. time I play, but I don't know. And I don't know why that's just kind of, it is what it is. No, totally understand. You got to do what you got to do to get these wins. Right. Um, and then kind of this last OSU question overall, like, I mean, I know you guys have had probably had some great um, memories at Ohio state. Maybe it's the big 10 media day, or, I mean, that Cavelli center opening was, was packed. You know, that was awesome to see what uh, all those people there. I know it didn't end the way you guys wanted to, but what kind of overall is like one of the best memories of playing volleyball at Ohio state. What's something from maybe it's a couple years ago, or maybe it's been the senior season. Um, not specifically, but I would say my best memory of being an Ohio State Buckeye is just the people that I've met and the connections that I've made and just all the opportunities that you have here at Ohio State. And like, there is nothing like being a Buckeye. I could be in Texas and there's going to be a Buckeye there. I could be in California and there's going to be a Buckeye. So just like, seriously, like the people and my teammates, like there's no, there's nothing like the chemistry and the friendships that I have made from being on this team. But more specifically, I would say one of my favorite memories is beating Nebraska last year at home. And it I will never forget that moment. It is something I will cherish forever. And it was just such a team effort and just so much fun. And yeah, it was amazing. And then one more yeah. thing, the Clinton media, that is something so special. And I will never forget that. And I'm so, so thankful I got the opportunity to do it. I am a senior, so that was probably my last chance. So I'm super grateful that JFO and got picked me and Mac to do it. And yeah, I'm so honored to be a part of it. Yeah. How do I follow that up? Um, <laughs> I think retweet all of those things, beating Nebraska in straight sets was pretty killer. The people are unbeatable and the media day was unmatched, but I think my favorite was beating Penton state at home on my 21st birthday last year. Yeah. That's awesome. That was a lot of fun. Those are some good wins. All right, so we kind of want we're gonna shift it over here. We just have some kind of fun questions that we want to ask you guys. Just gonna get the lighter side um, out of you. Which one? So you're playing it. You get the ox, you know, at a party or at a at a you know family event. What is your you know guilty pleasure song that you might put on that some people might you know turn their head a little bit while you while you playing that song? But you still enjoy it. I'm not allowed on ox. Is that a team rule, Mac? um i mean i just, just kind of options to say the least yeah um i'll oh, go my, if i had to like play like my pump up song like if we're in the if we're in the gym and i and i play this if i play they all make fun of me my like pump up song before matches it started in high school is fight night by migos i don't know why but like that's i've kind of just ran with it and like sometimes in my car on like my way to the gym i'll be like kind of playing that really loud and I'm like okay yeah I get into the gym if I were to play that I think people would be like what is going on here but I think that would that would be mine but nobody lets me have the ox so it it never happens that's funny 
because that's very true um <laughs> oh god I'm trying to think because I'm a big ox person but I'm such a variety like I got playlists for every kind of mood we got like if we want to chill if we want to party if we want to you know if we're getting pumped up for the game but I would say little baby Justin Bieber is a fan favorite on the team like Justin Bieber will always be a go-to <sighs> oh another big one Peppa's you know like the <laughs> yeah that gets everybody going so that's definitely one of our favorites i think most recently we've been doing like in the gym for practice we've been doing pitbull radio oh, yeah. and if you ever have a second to go like listen to pitbull radio that'll get you fired up like you're just ready to go it's some old songs at least to us they're old so it's like kind of throwback but also not really throwback and it's like songs you haven't heard in years yeah, like kind of Pandora style, like you do that artist radio. I know they have yeah, that on like it, yeah on Spotify. We just click the uh, Pitbull radio, and then just vibe out. I love it. Energy <laughs> um, Next one. So, if you guys only had four apps on your phone, you know, only four apps, and wait, were we including like it was no? We'll do it. Like, outside of like iMessage. And yeah, like outside of uh, like you know, phone call iMessage. You can only download four apps from the App Store. What are those apps? Hmm. I think TikTok for sure. TikTok. Instagram. Twitter. I love Twitter. Twitter makes me laugh. I could Uh, go without Twitter, I think. Oh, I couldn't. I agree with you. Twitter's awesome. Be tough to lose Instagram, but I think I could sacrifice Twitter. (sighs) Yeah, I I think I could sacrifice Candy Crush. Candy Crush. Wow. I was at a left field. That's my, it's my guilty pleasure. I literally am addicted. Oh gosh. It. Yeah, I haven't played Candy Crush since like we were on a plane last year, Kai. We're about to be on a plane tomorrow. Bust that out for the trip. Um, yeah, I think I'd go Instagram and TikTok for sure would have to be there. My last two are like, I don't know, could be wild cards. Uh I guess I could keep, at this point, I could keep Twitter. I don't want to go all social media, but I feel like Snapchat's another big one that I use a lot. Kylie's not a big Snapchat for Twitter. And then you gotta, there's gotta be like a game you play on your phone. Everyone has um, that one, like. Yeah, Doodle Jump. <laughs> That's um, all, I have Doodle Jump and Candy Crush on my phone. That's it. Those are the games. Also, weirdly into Facebook. Me and Kylie kind of put our. Facebook in there. Like we're, it's we're much like, like an old person thing, <laughs> but like, I like, can like, I am consistently checking Facebook. It's like on my list of things to go through. I yeah. check. I, I can relate to that. No one uh, locked in any music platform though. I'm surprised. Yeah. So Spotify or Apple music. Well, I thought I, Apple music was like included. Oh, but if uh, yeah, I, I could go with Apple I guess, music. Yeah. I guess, uh, I guess we did. That was a little, that's a little. Because you know, you have to download Spotify, but you don't fair, Apple fair. Music comes with your phone. I guess that's a that's yeah, Kylie's, Kylie's an Apple Music gal. I'm Spotify, Kylie's Apple. Yes, man. Next question is you know, they're making a movie, you know, the Kylie Moore or, or Mac Betraza story. Who is the actress that's playing you in the, the movie? Oh, oh gosh, I'm so bad with names. That's what I was going to say, too um you're like adam sandler like that doesn't make sense but it does make sense oh my god adam sandler playing kylie murr like come on (laughs) 
I'm buying that. Yeah. Strap on a oh. wig. Yep. The volleyball, a volleyball story. Yeah. <laughs> Adam Sandler as Kylie Murr. I can see it. I mean, it's got my 1050. Mm-hmm. Oh God, I don't know. Um, I kind of want to go that route. Like, where am I going with that? You went Adam Sandler. I feel like I want to go like Vince Vaughn. Wow. All right. All right. <laughs> you went Adam Sandler. I'm going to go Vince Vaughn. As you should. <laughs> We'd have quite the, uh, quite the movies there. I'd watch that. So our next question is, if you had one week of training, what sport could you make it professionally in? Could we make it or want to make it professional in? Mm, I don't know. I mean, I think it's, I think it's could, but um, we'll take both. What's your, what's your preference? And then what do you think your talent, where do you All think right. you could go? All right. Mm, if I could, I would love to be a gymnast, but I don't think I could do 8,000 flips like that in a week. Realistically, probably a tennis player. Oh, okay. Tennis. Um, what would I want to do? I would want to play tennis, but I don't think that I'm oddly enough coordinated enough to be able to be a tennis player. But back in my day in middle school, I was pretty good at throwing shot put. God, always shot put. (laughs) So I think I could, uh, like dust off the rust and see what happens with that. You need to get a little stronger. Or like like, someone, Tiger Woods got me in the range. Is that what you call it? I could could figure out how to golf. Yeah. All right, come with those summer sports and then Mac out there with the, with the shot put. I love it. (laughs) I I used to shot put and like when I was really young in high school and then I got to like sophomore year and I'm like, I got, I got to stop with this. I don't really have the body type to be a shot putter either, but I guess I could figure it out. You'd figure it out. Yeah. I don't even know. I like, I thought it was like all about just like getting ripped. And then like our, our two uh, school record holders, like they went D one, like a couple years before I graduated, like they came back and visited and they were just these like huge O linemen, like guys, they were just like, they weren't even like ripped. They were just had a lot of you know meat on them. And I was like, I don't want to do this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so then our last, our last question here is uh, just to get us a little note about the team. Who would you least want on the team to date your brother, even if you don't have a brother? Hypothetical brother. Hypothetical brother that you care a lot about, like year or two younger, family baby, as the person on the team that you least want to date him. This is a good question. Yeah, we've done this before. Uh, Hmm. Who do I not want to date? I know. I do have two younger brothers, so I'm trying to think this through. Uh, gosh, this is tough. I have two I, answers, but I'm gonna go with the safe. I'm gonna go with the safe route, and I'm gonna go with Mia Grunzi. See, so yeah, that was my safe route okay. too. My safe more, route. my more out there one is Riley McNeil. <laughs> That yeah, we'll go with Riley McNeil. But you wanna you wanna buy, yeah. why why Riley versus why is she the more riskier one versus uh 
Um, God, where do I start? <laughs> She's just, I don't even know. I don't even know how to elaborate on that. It's Riley McNeil. She's a loose cannon and you never know what you're going to get from her, but she is like, she's the greatest friend. She's the best friend and like the most loyal person, but you just never know what you're going to get on any given day. Yeah. My brother doesn't need that. Yeah. <laughs> think this is all love. She'd be like, you answered so right. Cause yeah. I would be a terrible girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that, that is a great way to end it though. Um, thank you guys so much for your time today. Kylie and Mac really appreciate it. Um, wish you guys the best of luck this season and this weekend against BYU's next, right? BYU and Georgia, right? Georgia and then Georgia tech after. How do we feel about those games a little quick? How's the team? Is the team ready to, to get going? Make yeah, a I'm rubber? super excited. And Riley actually, and uh, Gabby, two girls in our grade, it's actually, they're going back home. So that's where they're from. And so I think it's going to just be a really good moment for the team, get to see their house and just get to be in their community and be a part of what they came from. And besides that, um, I just think we're ready to compete again. I think we, like I said, we got a glimpse of what we were made of and what we we're capable of. So I'm really excited to just get out there and compete with the girls. Yeah. Yeah. Georgia tech kicked us out of the tournament last year. So that's still fresh on our minds. So uh, we're, we're definitely ready to get back, get back at them. So, yep. Fired up. All right, let's go. A little revenge game. Yeah, revenge tour. Well, best of luck. Um, we'll be rooting for you. Yeah, thank you so much again. Yeah. This was really fun. Thank you. Appreciate it. Good luck, guys. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the first ever rendition of The Nightcap. Hope you enjoyed. Make sure to check out the other podcasts from Scarlet and Gray Sports Radio. That includes The Ohio State of Mind with Caleb Spinner and Tyler Danberg, 614 Check with Zachary Rodier, and then our new show, The Blocko Show, giving you a little preview about the upcoming week's Ohio State football game. Thanks again, guys, for listening. We'll see you next Wednesday.